Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my team's 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 210, week 13 review. Crazy. Almost at the end of the season, playoffs are just around the corner. One more week left. Week 13 was a pretty wild ride with the, uh, overall in the NFL. A few games coming down with all but a few games coming down to the wire. Uh, the same is true for a lot of my fantasy games. They're all going to come down to Monday night and see what happens. It should be a fun night to watch Monday Night Football and wrap up the second to last week of the regular season in fantasy. So after following all the week 13 games, I'm going to give some of my observations from a dynasty perspective. Uh, This podcast is going to be a little shorter than normal because I'm in the middle of a home remodel right now, and it's just been uh, very chaotic in my house, we'll just say, right now is uh, particularly wild. So a little shorter than normal. Uh, dealing with family things, but here we go. Some thoughts on uh, this week 13. First thing that came to mind for me was just the costly injuries. Uh, Several players left games early with injuries, leaving fantasy managers like myself in big holes in their fantasy lineups. Lamar Jackson left the game with with just scoring one point. Jimmy Garoppolo, two points. Uh, Kenneth Walker, three points. Juju Smith-Schuster, five. Cortland Sutton, zero and then Traylon Burks, nine, but only because his only catch he caught was a touchdown pass before he's knocked out of the game with an illegal hit. Man, dynasty managers like me had a hard time recovering with these big holes in their lineups. Uh, it was crucial week 13 when you need things to go right, and it's a pretty tough pill to swallow that things did not, and you were stuck uh, pretty bad like I was. Pretty rough. Costly injuries were the the first, first thing that stood out in week 13, particularly because they happened so early in the game. Next, I'll say uh, shaking the dust off. Uh, Deshaun Watson made his uh, season debut with the Browns on Sunday, and he looked like he still has a lot of dust to shake off. He completed uh, just 40, uh, 54% of his passes, and he didn't lead the team on a single touchdown drive. Uh, the Browns scored a, a special teams touchdown and two defensive touchdowns. That's how they scored, leading the team to the win over his former team. But it wasn't because of Watson. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to read too much into this. You know, his rusty return. He's, after all, it's been like two years since he played. I'm still hopeful that he can, you know, elevate the play of David Bell and David Njoku. Those are the two players I'm thinking most that he can make better. And I'm still hopeful that he can do that, uh, making their dynasty values rise. Amari Cooper, on the other hand, he had you know one of his least productive games of the season too, uh, but he's you know got a much better future ahead of him with Watson after maintaining the you know fantasy production pretty solid this year uh, with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. Watson's fantasy value it's just going to rise slowly, I think, just as his reputation tries at least to rise slowly and rebuild. A lot to be seen there, but first debut was pretty rusty for sure. Next comment I'll, th- I'll say is what I'll call even Steven. You guys know that in dynasty trades, sometimes both sides win. 
Uh, the same is true in NFL trades. Sometimes both both win. And the Packers and Raiders have got to feel like winners in the trade that they made last season. The Packers surprised everyone when they traded Devontae Adams to the Raiders for uh, two first-round picks. The Packers used those picks to take defensive players, but then they selected Christian Watson in the second round, second pick of the second round. From a dynasty perspective, um, I thought the move to the Raiders would actually hurt Adams, but but he's uh, scoring actually two more points per game than he did last season in Green Bay. And he's already scored one more touchdown than he did last season, and he's maintained his 11th target per game pace, which was what I thought would never be replaced. Even in his age 29 year, Adams is among the most productive wide receivers in the league, maintaining his dynasty value for a few more years, it looks like. It took some time. Uh, on the other hand, thinking about the Packers, it took some time. But Christian Watson has now made the Packers fans remember Adams no more. <laughs> Since Watson's three-touchdown breakout game four weeks ago, he scored four more times and scored uh, just six fewer points than Devontae Adams over the last four-game span. The Packers did what dynasty managers like to do. They like to buy back age, so they bought back six years of play time by drafting a 23-year-old Watson uh, compared to the 29-year-old Adams. It'd be a stretch to think that Watson could ever play as well as Adams and become you know, top five dynasty wide receiver like Adams has been for the last five or six years. But he's inching closer and closer to Adams in my dynasty rankings each week, given their age difference. If the Packers' long-term quarterback situation was more certain, he would be really close to passing Adams in my rankings. That's what I'm just unsure of, not knowing if Jordan Love can uh, keep his value high. Although, they did connect on that pass two weeks ago, so pretty exciting. Speaking of trades, I'll call the next thing payback. (laughs) Speaking of trades, A.J. Brown and Traylon Burks were going head-to-head this week, but it was uh, we missed out on what could have been just a great battle between the two because Burks, as I already mentioned, was knocked out of the game on his first touchdown, his first touchdown catch of his NFL career. Burks made a beautiful contested catch on a touchdown in the first quarter when he was knocked out by a hit. Pretty crazy. Somehow he held onto the ball, uh, but then, not to be outdone, A.J. Brown came back and scored two touchdowns of his own in the route of Philadelphia's routing the Titans. Uh, with this trade was first made, I dropped Brown in my rankings a little bit, uh, because I thought that Philadelphia was one of those teams that was super run-heavy. Particularly last year, they became a super run-heavy team, one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. And they also had questions about Jalen Hurts. He still seemed like a project, you know, from a passing perspective at least. No one has proven me more wrong this year than Hurts, that's for sure. And Brown has benefited from his improvement. Hurts had nearly 300 yards passing by halftime on Sunday, and he helped um, Brown improve to... Uh, prove to the Titans that they should not have traded him. Uh, Burks, on his on his part, uh, he's shown improvement over the last few weeks and still gives the Titans and his dynasty managers hope that he can live up to his first-round draft capital when the team traded away Brown to draft Burks. Uh, like Christian Watson, however, Burks' long-term uh, solution at quarterback is really uncertain since Malik Willis has not looked good in his few opportunities that he's had this year. Uh, could have been great to see these guys go head-to-head and see what would happen, but sad that Burks got knocked out. A.G. Brown and the Philadelphia Eagles have really proved me wrong. Hurts has just been on fire. <laughs> He's definitely a very viable and uh, top-tier quarterback now, and that makes A.J. Brown even better than he was with the Titans. Next, I'll call it a bounce back. This was kind of interesting. Cam Akers surprised me this week with uh, the best game of his season. 
It would look like the Rams are going to give uh, Kyron Williams most of the touches because they did last week. This week, things switched. Uh, Akers scored twice and really looked healthy again, uh, giving me more hope that he could bounce back to being a viable fantasy starter. He's still going to need to string together, you know, one or two more solid games before he's trustable, that's for sure. But Sunday was the first positive sign that we've seen all season from him. That's, you know, at least he's got one. A year ago, I actually traded Debo Samuel for Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and a pick that turned into Rashad Bateman. So Akers, Henderson, Bateman for Debo. While Samuel's production has dropped significantly this season as compared to last, which is why I traded him, I thought that would happen. I'm still regretting this trade after the Rams' backs have just not produced at all this year. But if Akers can prove that he's healthy and establish himself uh, as a Rams starter by the end of the season, I'll have no regrets about the trade. The Rams right now are kind of a dumpster fire all together as a team. So that's sad to watch. But uh, Akers at least showed something this, this season uh, or this last week that makes me think that he could maybe get back to that starting role. Next observation, I'll call it, I always got to throw in a couple of puns. I'll call it good night. That's K-N-I-G-H-T. <laughs> good night with Michael Carter sidelined. Zonovan Knight uh, took over the Jets' backfield, and he left no doubt that he's the man that they're going to run with, both in the running game and in the passing game, while their two top backs, Brees Hall and Michael Carter, remain injured. Uh, he had 118 total yards on Sunday, caught five passes, and averaged six yards per carry. Uh, it's often hard to know if a player you know, that gets his first snaps late in the season is benefiting from just having the freshest legs, or if they really are a great player. You know, like Jermichael Hasty, he did that last week. He was the, kind of the fresh legs guy that came off the bench last week. And this week, it's Knight's turn to be the fresh legs guy. Uh, Hasty, for his part, he didn't touch the ball at all this last week as Travis Etienne returned from injury. The same could happen tonight once Carter returns, but I think that he's actually proved enough to be part of the offense going forward, at least for this season, especially since he's le- you know, leaped ahead of James Robinson on the depth, depth chart. Knight's dynasty value, you know, is pretty capped because he's going to be sitting behind Hall and Carter, uh, but he could help dynasty teams, you know, in deep leagues, especially here at the end of the season. Pretty wild. Next pun that I'll say, and our last point here before we walk into uh, waiver wire at some trades, I'll call it riding, riding high, Nikki, <laughs> riding high, Nikki. A few weeks ago, uh, Coach Rivera named Taylor Heineke as a starter, and uh, for the rest of the season because they've yet to lose a game when Heineke is their starter. They didn't lose again on Sunday, but they didn't win either. That's because the Commanders had a a game-tying drive that was led by Heineke. And on that drive, he, you know, threw some spectacular throws. Uh, I was very surprised. To to my surprise, Heineke has proved to be better than Carson Wentz, and he's been able to hold off Sam Howell. I was actually really hopeful to see Howell get some starts this season uh, since he looked great in the preseason, really wanted to see him play, but Heineke has played too well to give Howell a chance. Heineke is one of the many, uh, I like to call them, look what I found quarterbacks that it really, and particularly in super flex uh, leagues, man, you just, you know, look what I found. All of a sudden, you've got a starting quarterback when you didn't think that you had one on your roster. Same could be true for Andy Dalton or Mike White this year. Um, Heineke's been a look what I found type of quarterback that's actually played really well. And he's kept Terry McLaurin's target share super high in start in his starts. And he's finally beginning to get Jahan Dotson involved too. Dotson scored his uh, first uh, touchdown 
for the first time since week number four, and he's starting to become maybe a flex-worthy kind of player now uh, that he finally got his target share up this week as well. So Heineke has really surprised me with what he's done with the Commanders. I actually remember to say their name right. Good for me. <laughs> so here we go. Um, uh, the waiver wire this week, just a couple thoughts. Uh, remember, I play in, in leagues that are 300 to 360 players on the roster. So these are deep league prospects if you play in shallower leagues. Certainly better players than these, but these are the players that I'm interested in picking up today or this uh, tomorrow on the waiver wire. First, we Brock Purdy. <laughs> Purdy stepped in after Jimmy Garoppolo got injured and kept the offense moving, uh, leading them to a win. He survived mostly just by checking the ball down with every throw. So you got to note that he was just checking down, checking down, checking down. But he, you know, did enough to produce 18 fantasy points in his first start of his NFL career. Pretty wild. Mr. Irrelevant, you know, the last player drafted in the draft, is uh, going to be likely the starting quarterback going forward. Garoppolo's injury looks like it's season ending. And so Purdy is going to start the rest of the season. If they don't bring in someone else, they've already brought in Josh Johnson and some others to maybe compete. Uh, but I would think that given that he was on the roster, he is going to get the starts for the rest of the year. He's definitely a must-add in Superflex leagues. And he's worth adding in one quarterback leagues, too, since you know he's kind of got a long runway here just to see if he can prove himself this season. Uh, definitely low-grade prospect, but see what would happen with Mr. In insignificant Brock Purdy. Next would be Tyler Huntley. Uh, Huntley played pretty well you know, when he started games last season when Lamar Jackson was injured. Uh, he should do so again if Jackson's unable to return from his injury. Uh, he's good for like 50 or more yards rushing every single time that he starts. And so he can lead, you know, teams to scoring drives like he did on this last, you know, game-winning drive on Sunday. He's not a must-add, and he or he is a must-add in Superflex leagues, not so much in one-quarterback leagues, but he's someone that you have to grab, you know, if you're in Superflex leagues. So give uh, Huntley a try, even though he's uh, rostered in most of my Superflex leagues. Still out there in a few. Last player maybe to mention would be Darrington Evans. Uh, Evans outsnapped Tristan Ebner each of the last two weeks while backing up David Montgomery with Khalil Herbert injured. Uh, the Bears, you know, if they do move on from David Montgomery, which I think they will at the end of the season, Evans could become the backup to Khalil Herbert. So he's a player I'd consider bidding on this week in very deep leagues just so I could, you know, keep him rostered throughout the offseason and see what happens if he's going to be the handcuff to Herbert next year, or maybe Chicago signs Montgomery, and then he's not going to be effective. But definitely someone worth adding because he is the backup right now. Week 13 trades. Uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, a lot of my trade deadlines happened. And when I posted uh, the podcast last week, there were actually a few trades that took place on Monday night after I posted. And so here are two of those trades that took place. Uh, one was Keenan Allen for Elijah Moore in a 2023 second round pick. Uh, this was my trade. I actually traded away Keenan Allen to a contender in a league where I've been uh, extremely unlucky and I'm out of the playoff race, so I was willing to get rid of Allen to help another team. And I got Moore and a second round pick back. Um, I have a pretty deep roster in this league at receiver. Yeah, I got T. Higgins and Amon Ross St. Brown as my starters. Uh, then I've got uh, George Pickens and Rashad Bateman behind them also Jahan Dotson so I've got a lot of youth and I think that uh, Elijah Moore and the second round pick will give me you know more chances to get younger at that player Allen or at that position rather Allen is one of my favorite players uh, but he's kind of past his prime his battle injuries this season I hate to give him up but I'm glad to get younger 
in a league where I'm rebuilding, even though I can jump right back into the mix for sure. The other manager, for his part, uh, he added Allen to his lineup and had enjoyed his 18-point day on Sunday. So that was uh, Allen's best game of the season on Sunday with that great touchdown catch that he made. So uh, pretty pretty typical trade, uh, that last-minute deadline trade for a contender versus someone that's rebuilding, although I'm not really rebuilding. My team is great in that league, just pretty unlucky this season. <clears throat> Next trade that took place at the very last second was Najee Harris for a 2023 first-round pick. A rebuilding team gave away Harris to a contending team, you know, hours before the trade deadline. Uh, Harrison has not performed, or Harris has not performed well as well as he did last year, but he's still better than a first-round pick that, that's going to be late, in my opinion. I believe the 2023 rookie running backs are all going to get drafted before this manager gets a chance to select a running back in the draft because, you know, this 2023 first-round pick sent to a contending team, it's going to be, you know, probably pick, you know, 8 to 10. This is a 10-team league, so it's, you know, late. But this is a, con- a very, very good roster, and this this team's likely going to make advance in the playoffs to be number 8 or 10. And so in that standpoint, you're not going to get one of those top running backs in a league like this. It's a one-quarterback league. And so the top running backs are going to be gone by the time this guy gets it. So uh, I would rather have Harris. And I think the uh, manager should have held on to Harris, even if he was considering self-rebuilding. Um, like the Harris side of this trade, for sure. And sad that it means that now I have to compete against a much more difficult roster in this league. Uh, not good. This this league went crazy with last-minute trades and where I thought I was a contender. And I made some trades to try to get back in the race uh, now every team ahead of me has like really strong rosters because of trades they made so it'll be fun to see how it happens one more week and then we will know what's happening in the playoffs pretty exciting that's a wrap for this week my freaky friends thanks so much for listening uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com much better on email than i am on twitter so contact me at dynastyfreaks that's freaks with two e's at gmail.com Glad to talk. Uh, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.